Hey, welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a business ran by Joe Ross. Joe Ross was a former Army fullback, a former Army assistant coach, and a former Army officer. And we thank Joe Ross for sponsoring this podcast. would like to bring in our co-host for tonight, Kel Walker. Kel, Kel this is becoming a regular thing uh, here on Black Knight Nation podcast, so. Yeah, it is, man. I think we got good energy amongst us, too. So, you know, it's something that we had already before when I was playing, when I was a player at West Point. And we, I think we just transcended it to old grass season. So I appreciate you having me on here again. No problem. No problem. And, and we're going to bring in your friend and uh, uh, Army uh, quarterback, Kelvin Hopkins. Kelvin, thanks for joining us tonight. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Uh Always fun to talk to you, Sal, and always fun to see Kel and talk to Kel. So I'm always down to, to join whenever you guys, whenever he's co-hosting, I'll always step in. Uh, there we go. There we go. Real real quick, you could uh, hit our YouTube channel, Black Knight Nation. Give us a subscribe, like our videos. We just had Ronnie McKay on last night. He's an Army football great. We had Pete Dawkins on recently. Um, Kel, we reviewed the Liberty game recently, right? And uh, we went over the Liberty game. Mike Mayweather, the names go on and on. Uh, jump on that YouTube channel. Um, go on BlackKnightNation.com. I really have to write this story tonight or tomorrow. Guys, I want to write a story on the linebackers uh, that are playing in this game, Eric Smith and Diego uh, Fago, and um, just how they're kind of the the nucleus of each defense, right? And But they do it different ways. Like Fago is a guy who will, will get in a uh, – a fight with you if you ask to like pull you off and stuff like that. And Eric Smith is just such a stoic guy, right? Yeah, He's just all right. business. So I want to, uh, I'll write that up hopefully tonight and I'll be covering the game on Saturday. So check out blacknightnation.com for coverage. Check our Twitter account, check my personal Twitter account. We got, we got an Instagram too. So uh, get all those plugs out of the way. Black Knight nation t-shirts somewhere out there. They're out there guys. If you want to buy them, they're available. Um, now well, let's just get down to it. Kel, usually we start um, the podcast with finding out how our guests got to West Point and their journey and Correct. their kind of recruiting story. So uh, maybe, Kelvin, we can hear you, how you got to West Point. Um, Kel had an interesting story on his uh, journey. What was your journey to West Point, like recruiting-wise? Uh, Recruiting-wise, I was an uh, undersized quarterback out of Charlotte, North Carolina, Uh so I didn't really have many offers. Uh, Jay Bateman, who recruited me at the time, who's the D coordinator, um, he called me. I was in study hall, actually, um, and he offered me. He was like, you know, we were at your school. We talked to your coach. Uh, we like what you do. He actually wanted to recruit me when he was at Ball State. But, again, they thought I was too short. So I always appreciated him for that. So when he made the transition to Army and knew that, you know, shorter quarterbacks were kind of what they did. Uh, for him to bring my name up and give me that offer, uh, I was very thankful. And then I think maybe two days later, uh, I had talked to everybody. I talked to my mom and everything, and I committed two days later because I always felt like I just needed one, just one team to believe in me. And uh, they gave me that offer, and I committed two days later. Wow. I think actually I was probably the first one in our class to commit um, way back when. And, uh, you know, I think it was maybe a week after Coach Munkin and them had showed up. And uh, so it was really cool to have seen them uh, grow, I guess, to have that idea, the things that they pitched to me as a recruit and to be a part of it and to have known the the vision and to be a part of it was real cool for me. We always, Kelly, uh, we always talk about how, how like life works and how our unique stories get us to West Point, how we graduate. Sal probably don't even notice, like Kelvin was waiting on what I offer from one of the Charlotte schools. Yeah. I was uh, right before signing day, UNC Charlotte. I was really trying to go there. It was a new program. Um, yeah. I had got to know the coaches really well, just being up there. And, uh, and hey, Ms. Angel, how you doing? <laughs> um, I, I got to know the coaches at UNC Charlotte really well, and they would tell me that they weren't offering a quarterback for our class. And then they came in pretty late, right before signing day. And I was actually going to make the switch. You know, I wanted to be the hometown kid and, and at uh, UNC Charlotte and start that program up. But uh, I went and took my official visit to West Point and fell in love with it and stuck with it. You know, my coach was very big on once you make a commitment, you should honor it. And I, I stuck to that. And I'm glad I did. 
Yeah, that happens a lot, I'm guessing, in recruiting, right? Especially now there's two different signing days, right? And mm-hmm. um, you see a, a lot of guys who've committed to West Point that are 2022 recruits, and they're on visits to Michigan, Michigan State, whatever. I mean, they're visiting, you know, they're still being recruited, actively recruited by other schools. So um, there's nothing legally binds you to a West Point commitment to a point, right, guys? I mean, you, yeah. until, you, until you show up there for our day. So, I mean right. – and even when you're at Army Prep, you're still recruitable. So, um, you know, I mean, they have to – Army has to do a really good job, a strong job recruiting you and getting through their vision, right? And I guess, Kelvin, like you said, you were pretty much sold on it. Um, did, tell us a little bit what happens early in your career and how you um, move up the depth chart into a, a, a prime role. I mean, we can all talk about, you know, the Temple game in a little bit. But, you know, I mean, let's talk about, like, what the adjustment was for you. Because in high school – Option wasn't really – you didn't really run an option offense, did you, or no? No, I did not. I mean, we did a little read option. I think everybody does that nowadays. Um, but, you know, I came from a, a team we threw probably 25 to 35 times a game. Um, I had big six, four receivers on the outside. Um, so I came from a very wide-open passing offense. So it was very different for me once I got up there, especially at prep school. I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I didn't really want to go to prep school at first, but I was glad that I did, especially from a football standpoint, because I had a lot to learn. Um, the footwork, doing things different in the option, the pitch, all that. Um, Angel Santiago, former quarterback, he was my coach at the prep school. He was really hard on me about teaching me the fundamentals. Um, you know, at the time I wasn't the most gracious for it, but once I got to, uh, campus and started playing for coach Ware. It got even worse. So, you know, I was very glad that he was that way about the things he did was at prep school. But it, it definitely was a huge adjustment period for me, uh, just from football wise. You know, I was always one of those people. I felt like football just kind of made sense. And it was that was the first time in my career where it just didn't make sense. I had to work a little harder to to get out there and make things happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I never started a game at prep school. Uh, that was always interesting um threw a couple touchdowns just because I felt like I could throw well and that's what the coaches thought I was good at so I'd go in I guess fourth quarter situations obvious passing downs they would throw me in there uh but I definitely was not a good option quarterback at prep school and who was I, the quarterback who was the uh, prep Malik Magoo was oh, okay. at Malik prep school Magoo. and I mean Malik picked it up so fast I was so jealous at how fast he picked up the offense um yeah. You know, I got a lot of my work ethic, like mentally from Malik, just because like I was like, how can you help me? How can I get better? And he was very always watching football, whatever game was on that night, whatever he was in his room watching it. We lived right across the hall from each other. So I got to hang out with him and kind of break down the offense a little bit more from his perspective. And he helped me out a lot, but definitely did not get much play time at prep school. Malik's the guy who people ask, like, you know, what happened to Malik, you know, after, you know, because he, I guess he had some moments early in his career, right? And uh, yeah. he moved on to, he moved on to another school, but it's good to hear his name, good to hear his name. That's a, certainly a blast from the past. Oh, yeah. So, so fr- freshman year, what happens freshman year for you? The, what happens that adjustment and kind of getting more comfortable with the option? Um, say a little bit of the same, a lot of uh, growing pains, especially, from the academy standpoint, uh, you know, dealing with Coach Ware, and he, he was a huge stickler for the details of everything. And for me, it was just trying to not to mess up the play. Uh, so it, it definitely was an adjustment period. I spent that whole season on the scout team, uh, threw a lot of balls for, for Coach Bateman in the defense. Um, but I, I enjoy scout. I love scout. I think, honestly, that was probably the best time of my career just to go out there and, like, actually feel yourself getting better but also like helping the defense get better like we as a scout team took pride in like being the best offense our defense was going to see that week um so you know we attacked it we did one minute situations two minute situations third down situations uh i had a lot of fun doing it had a great group of guys around me that kept me motivated um aj sure another former quarterback he was running our scout team and uh he kept us invested. He kept us into it. He kept us, you know, it's easy to kind of get into the lull of go to class and then come get beat up on by the starters. 
but you know, he made it fun for us and uh, we really enjoyed it. So I spent that time that year down on the scout team, got to travel and dress a few games, uh, especially once they start to realize that I could throw a little bit more. And, uh, you know, they started putting me in on one minute situations in practice. So I kind of became that guy uh, for one minute situations uh, freshman year towards the back half of that season. And then we never had the situation, but I was always prepared for it, always waiting for it. Um, and then I was scout team player of the year, uh, freshman year, which was, again, probably the best honor that I had just because I had so much fun doing scout team. Cal, Cal, when you're, when Kelvin's on the scout team and you're kind of with the varsity squad, you guys don't get a chance to work too much together, I guess, right? But right. you guys were building that – you guys were probably building that bond and friendship at, at the core side, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We started to hang out a lot more um, after prep school. So when we were at the academy, plebe year going into sophomore year, we actually started to hang out a little bit more. Uh, we were in the same company. I used to get picked on in my company a lot. And he used to be the saving grace. I don't know why people thought he was the angel of the company. And I was <laughs> I was the bad kill and he was the good kill. I don't know why. But that's what they – that's the labels they gave us. And – Every time I get picked on, I always lean on Kelvin to try to help me out to talk to the upper class. I'm like, bro, just just tell him leave me alone or whatever, something like that. But, yeah, off-field, off we were getting close, and uh, that kind of helped us connect later on in our careers um, on the field. So after that, we became roommates, and we became best friends after that. Yeah, I guess Kelvin had the quarterback uh, cred, right, to, to, get you, to get you out of maybe some of that stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what they say. No, nah, <laughs> I'm gonna be real. It was it was Kel's. Uh, what was it? 96 yards and 12 carries freshman year Army Navy that did it. It wasn't. It wasn't me. <laughs> oh man, oh man. But now, I want to talk me. about. Oh, go ahead, Kel. Uh, Kel, I want to talk about. Um, for, well, I want to talk about when we were competing for a quarterback position, a number one quarterback position. I thought that was hilarious. But first, I want to talk about, like, when they threw you in the game sophomore year 2017 at Temple, like, I don't know, in the locker room, I kind of saw you determined. You had your headphones on. You were kind of rocking out to yourself like you usually do, you know, getting prepared for a game. When we were going into that game, we got ourselves in a one-minute situation, and they called you. What were you thinking in your head? How did you prepare yourself to lead this team to victory or that team to victory? Um, I mean – like I said, that was that was my role. Um, I wasn't the greatest option quarterback, so I just wanted to add value to the team. So I took my role as the one minute quarterback pretty serious. Um, every time we, you, I mean, you know, every time we did that situation, I was trying to, you know, play like a game. And Coach Ware was really big on, you know, taking reps and, and playing game speed and game mental speed. So just kind of that practice that we had um, for one minute situations was huge for me. I was actually kind of mad, and, you know, James Gibson, the week before that game was uh, Eastern Michigan, and Gibby had that big stop at the third at the uh, one-yard line on the two-point conversion, I think it was, and or the fourth down stop, whatever it was. And I remember I went up to him. I was like, yo, I'm so mad at you. He said, wow. I'm like, I'm glad you won the game, but, like, I was I was ready. Like, I had locked in. I remember yeah. Coach Ware came to me on the sideline and was like, get ready for one minute if you got to do it. So I didn't even get to enjoy that last half of that game and see the hit because I'm, like, on the bench getting ready. He came over. Right. I remember looking at him in the locker room. I'm like, Gibby, I'm so mad you made that hit because I was ready to go win this game. And, you know, he brushed it off or whatever. And then next week we come into Temple and – uh that was kind of when my role started to elevate a little bit more as the passer. I had been in a few times on third down. Um, but I went in before the half a few times, and Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Adams had a corner route that I overthrew uh, going into the half that could have put us in field goal range. And Coach Munkin came up to me in the locker room, and he's drilling me like, that's what, you, that's what we put you in for. Like, you can't miss that, this and that. So I'm mad at myself. I'm like, I spoiled my opportunity. Like, I was so mad. I was. I, I went to Jermaine. I was like, if I ever get that opportunity, like, I'm not going to miss you anymore. I promise, you know. And we don't throw the ball often, and receivers, they work hard. So, for me to have missed that for him, I felt bad. So, I knew I was going to give him another chance. Uh, sure. But as the game started to go on and, and, you know, it was pretty close, and they scored, I think, with a minute 38 left, I think it was. 
um, you know, just in my head, it was go time uh, just to do that, you know, uh, go out there and, and just try and put us in a position to win. I think the first, the first few completions of any drive like that is the hardest because sure. you're trying to get in the rhythm and trying to fill out the defense. So I think if you can make it through that first set of three downs and get on a, in a motion, then you'll, you can score. So that was kind of my biggest thing, just get one first down and, you know, try and get to the 50 and then give us a chance. Um, hit one to Kel over the middle. Uh, I think that was probably the best ball I've thrown in my, I threw in my college career. Had no business throwing it. It was between like three people. Uh, but Kel ran a great route. Um, hit John Trainer on a on a wheel route before then. Um, o line was, you know, they were looking at me. I'm the sophomore. They all seniors. They like just do it. Just make something happen. Um, and then it got down to I think we were on the 14 yard line or whatever it was, and um, we had came out in one in one formation just to see how they were going to line up. And I didn't really like the idea of going from gun to under center. So I was glad they called the timeout because then we backed up and then we lined up in gun. And then we seen the way they were lined up. And I just remember the corner was inside shoulder on the goal line. And I we they called another timeout. I went to Jermaine and Coach Ware. And I'm like, Coach, like they are inside shoulder on the goal line. I could throw this at the pylon and he's not going to get to it. And that's exactly why Kel Walker didn't get the look. Kel swears he should have got that touchdown because <laughs> he was wide open over the middle. But wide I knew open. 100% where I was going with it if he walked out there and he lined up like that again. And he did. He came back out inside shoulder on the goal line. I was like, this is going to the pylon. And honestly, it was just if I miss him, we might still have time for another play. If it goes out of bounds, if he catches it, then it's touchdown. And uh, Jermaine jumped up, made a great play. Um, and sent the game into overtime. Just an exciting, you know, moment just to be able to do that, especially in my first serious minutes as a football player at Army. That's impressive, bro. Sal, I'm telling you, that's impressive. Like, for a yeah. sophomore who hasn't really got, like, varsity touches, game day experience at the co collegiate level, to come in there with that football IQ and actually make game day, uh, game day decisions that are controlled a whole – Every piece of the board, that's very impressive. I mean, you already had a football, a high football IQ before even coming to that game, but we all saw that early on. Yeah, I was in the press box, right? I I was covering that game, of course, and just to see that happening, seeing seeing it unfold, you know, that's one of the. I've seen a lot of amazing plays at Mikey Stadium, but that 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 pass is one is one of the tops. I mean. Pressure, like you said, the pressure situation. You got, you got one shot, maybe two shots, right, Kelvin, to make that happen. And if you don't, yeah. you're going. If you if you don't, you're going home, not going home a winner. And I think that you guys were playing pretty solid ball at Mikey too, right? So you wanted to keep that going too, and that was that part of a just a, a great run there. I mean, talk about the Eastern Michigan game, and then you knock off Temple, and then it, the ball starts to get rolling a little bit, right? I mean, yeah. I mean. And then you still, but Kelvin, you still have to kind of play your role, so to speak, the rest of that season, right? I mean, you have to, you're playing behind the mod, right? You have to, yeah. you have to play your role still. So that must have been, hey, you came, you're going into such a high, right? After that game. And then you still have to still, you know, still, still find your place in the, in the quarterback depth chart, so to speak, to a point, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, Ahmad was the guy. Like, there was no question about that. And yeah. that was just me uh, trying to do my role. Um, you know, I knew I was the passer. That was my job. And to have successfully done it and show them that, you know, if I go out there, I can do what y'all want me to do. Um, it's funny because after that week, you know, there was, I guess, a QB controversy. Like, you know, this and that, like, could Kelvin play? Could Kelvin play? Then Ahmad came back with 265 against Air Force and shut all that up. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was it was cool to be in that room, you know, just because, like, it didn't matter where the success came from. Just like – and that was the culture of the quarterback room. I, I think it still is just kind of the way I see those guys interact yeah. now in the conversations I've had with them this season. You know, it's the coach's decision to decide who's going to be out there. That's not up to us. The only thing we can do is really support each other and, you know, go make plays when it's our time. So that's kind of how I felt. You know, I went out there and made plays, but, you know, 
I mean, right after the the touchdown, Amal went right back out there for OT and yeah. led the drive, you know. So it wasn't me just trying to, you know, go out there and, you know, say it's my time or anything like that. It was just my time at the moment. And then Amal went back out there and handled business as usual. So It's kind of amazing how they're doing it right now, right, with just uh, multiple quarterbacks going in and out. You just never know. In the same drive, you might have two quarterbacks play. You know, you might have Tyre or Christian. And they're making it work. Like you said, it's got to be the culture. They're making that work. And when Jabari Laws got his name called earlier this season, he responded, right? I mean, yeah, so it, right. I mean, it's, it's, I think maybe you, maybe you started something there, Calvin. I don't know. Hey, I mean, you know, even when I look back before I got there, it was the same thing with, you know, Chris Carter and oh, yeah. AJ and Ahmad, you know, whoever was out there, you know, we're all going to support each other. We're all going to hope that we do good and win the game. You know, I always felt that way. Those are the conversations I had with, you know, the quarterbacks, I guess, when I was the older guy in the room was, you know, practice. It's We're not going to prey on each other's downfall. We're going to support each other because that decision has nothing to do with us. As far as who goes out there on Saturdays, who goes out there and make plays, that's a coach's decision. But how we go out here and practice and how we go make plays, that's up to us, and that's what we got to do. And I know it's true because going into our junior year, our junior season, Coach Munkin and Coach Ware came to me and said, you're going to be in the quarterback room from now on. Temporarily, but you're going to be – we're going to try you there for right now. And they still supported me. Those guys still supported me. They knew I couldn't throw the ball. I mean, in practice, I had like five or eight interceptions. I was getting embarrassed out there. A day. A day. I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. I'm a runner. I was telling them I'm a runner. Let Kelvin throw the ball. But those guys still picked me up. They lift me up. Kelvin especially. You know, we all knew that he was going to be the number one guy um, in that in that meeting room. But he still lifted me up, trying to teach me the plays from the quarterback position. And that was important for me because as, as a slot and as a leader in a slot room, I needed to learn what those guys were thinking at the same time as I, because that helps me do my job. So, you know, those guys have built an amazing culture and that kind of transcended down to the slot back room too and allowed us to have that same type of culture. They really Kevin, come- I promise you, if I, if I could throw better, I'm going to start. <laughs> Not just play. I'm just play. I'm just play. No. Hey, they ran a couple. You ran a couple like halfback passes or whatever, right? Or now, you, you threw we the did, ball, right? And they didn't yeah. really work out too well. <laughs> they did not really work out. We tried to do one against, uh, I think it was my freshman year. We tried to do one against uh, Air Force, and then my senior year at Hawaii, we tried to do one. Kelvin was wide open, but I didn't see him. That's because Kelvin always tells me, "Bro, you try to look over the defense, look through the defense." And I always look over the defense. I'm short, so I'm five ten. <clears throat> I'm five yeah. nine. Dude, I remember some. You guys would practice those plays too, right? Those ha- the wide yeah. rec- even the wide receivers would try to throw the ball every once in a while. And I'm like, wait a second. I mean, and uh, you know, some some of them, man, maybe one or maybe a couple worked. I don't know. I I I don't remember many working, but that's that's the. You don't think we're gonna be seeing any of that? On Saturday, do you? Nah. It's Army Navy. You could see anything. I'm gonna be honest. From either side, so. you might see anything because, you know, I think this game comes down to big plays. It always has. And if you could sneak off a, a a trick play in there, a reverse, a double pass, or something like that, that's just a big play. Because I mean, we both know each other's offenses and defenses so well that if you can if you can squeeze off a, a double pass, you definitely might see one. I'm gonna. To I'm, me I'm personally, go ahead, go ahead, no, go ahead, no, I was gonna say I was just gonna be the dark cloud because I look at the, the Wake Forest game and when they try to throw the trick play on the punt, that kind of was put them back two scores and it just was, um, you know, they couldn't catch up after there. That's just me being, you know, the opposite of uh, <laughs> the dark cloud a little bit. Like why? I guess. Hey, you you know, I mean, we everybody loves Coach Munkin for you know him taking risks. That's just part of it. Dash, you know, sometimes it pays off. Sometimes. That's a good point. I mean, that is. And he said, well, we weren't going to stop him, so we had to do something here. And, I mean, it was just like that half second, right? If it was just executed a little bit faster, uh, Chris Cameron probably would have walked into the end zone. All right, I'm done. Uh, Kel, the floor floor (laughs) is yours, Kel. 
I was going to say, I mean, I don't feel like we should use trick plays because we got a better athletes. We got a better uh, playbook. Honestly, we run the same type of offense, but I feel like our guys execute it way better than Navy uh, guys do. So, I mean, it's not 2015 Army-Navy. We were prepsters, and we saw a lot of trick plays because of that team. Where they had good players, but, you know, they had Keenan uh, Reynolds, and they had, yeah. I mean, an amazing team. Navy just out-executed them. But this year and every year after that, you know, we our guys out execute uh, Navy every single year besides 2019. I'm not going to talk about it, but we just out execute them in every aspect of the game. So I feel like we shouldn't even use trick plays. I mean, but if Coach Munkin wants to do it, then you know, like Kelvin said, we love him for his audacity. You know, what I mean, the guy he's brave. You know, he goes forward. Uh, he'll go forward on fourth and three if he had to, or yeah. fourth and five if he had to. You know, what I mean, so. We definitely appreciate a great trick, uh, trick play, but our guys gonna run through them. So yeah, I'm not, can, I'm not worried about it. We can break down the Army Navy game in a little bit, but let's let's uh, get to that um, that 2018 season, right? Because that's pretty much that's a ma- that's a magical season, Army football, um, the most wins ever in academy history. I mean, it seems like from the start, Cal, you, you guys were able to, you know. You had a good team coming back, right? You knew what you guys had coming back. You had the offense coming back. It, it seemed like everything kind of fell in place that year, no doubt. Yeah, yeah I mean, no. it did. It started – go ahead, Kevin. Or... Uh, no, I mean, just for me personally, just before we even go into the season, uh, we had a lot of guys coming back, um, especially on defense. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys that played a lot of snaps. On offense, we had a lot of guys that played a lot of snaps. We had Bryce Holland coming back. Um, we had a, a couple new guys on the O line, but they had all seen you know play time before and had been out there. So I really felt like going into the season, personally, the only question mark was myself and if I could go out there and and plug in and, and just do my job. You know, I thought it could be special, and you know, it turned out to be a, a very good season for us. I was gonna say like exactly what Kelvin said. We had a lot of guys coming back, but the only thing that was different for our offense pretty much was the quarterback position, like our leader on offense, you know, the captain of our offense. And I feel like, you know, once Kelvin came in there during practice and commanded our old line and commanded our huddle, we felt confident enough that he could lead the whole team or lead our offense to victory. And he could also influence the defense when we're doing Skelly or doing these one-on-one situations. So, you know, it starts with the it start with the leaders up front, and those guys did a tremendous job. And then and our offense made our defense better. Our defense made our offense better. And also, our coaches just they believed in us tremendously. You know, you play to the level of your coaches like belief in you, and they believed in us tremendously that year, and we just executed. Kelvin, when did you feel like it was kind of your team and you were comfortable? Was it in the preseason, or did you have to take a snap and be the the quote starter? To, to, to feel that? um, I mean, I wouldn't say – definitely didn't happen preseason. Uh, for me, I'd say probably around the Hawaii game junior year, I think it was the third game of the season, was when I got comfortable. Um, I knew the guys had a confidence in me. Uh, I could tell that they were all super supportive. Um, you know, there was no – like, hey, get it together, this or that, even when, you know, I was making new starter mistakes. Uh, but for me, it took to probably about the Hawaii game when I got comfortable and felt like, you know, I could add my own spin into this and, and actually contribute to what's going on. Um, but I definitely think the guys I had around me um, helped me get better, you know, just having, especially the B-backs. When I think back to that season, that B-back room we had, uh, between um, Darnell, Andy, Kalen, Connor, Sandin. Like, we were five deep at B-back, and they were all very good at what they did. And I knew that's what I had behind me. I, we can get a guaranteed three yards if I hand the ball off. So, for me, just having that, those guys around me kind of helped me get my confidence. And once I got comfortable, I felt like we kind of hit stride. Man, you, you you remind me of the names on that team. It's not too far removed, right? And you look at that is that team. You can match that team up against any team, and like the, the service academy teams, you throw Navy's best team in recent history. You throw Air Force's best team in recent history. 
I don't know if anybody's beating that 2018 team, man. I mean, right. that team, holy God, you guys were stacked. And that Hawaii game, Kelvin, I remember. I mean, Cole McDonald was coming in from Hawaii. I mean, he had a couple good games and jokingly might have been in the Heisman talk, so to speak. And you guys were able to uh, win that game. Um, Cole Christensen knocked that down a pass in the end zone to win that game. And that was that, that was probably a good – that was probably a, like a – not a start, but a sign that, hey, okay, that was a test, and you guys passed that test, and uh, good things were, were about to come in that, that season, no doubt, I would think, right? Yeah, no, most definitely. They were a really good team. Um, their defense was probably one of the more athletic defenses we had played that year. They were very fast, not the biggest guys, but they could all move. And like you said, Cole McDonald was – I think he was leading the country in passing – at that point, like he had a ridiculous amount of touchdowns through the first three weeks of the season. And, I mean, he came in and, and slung it, but our defense had a great plan for him. Uh, so we were able to weather that. And I think that was kind of the first game where we all put it together at the same time. Um, I think we had all played on both sides of the ball. We had played well at different times those first two games. And then I think that Hawaii game was the first game that we had put it together where offense and defense was playing well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so the following game, right, is the Oklahoma game. And that's a, that's a game, even though it may have now gotten the Black Knights way, that was a statement game for you guys too, right? That you were going to play on the big stage. You guys weren't going to flinch and you're going to take a really good Oklahoma team to the brink there. And I mean, to think about what Oklahoma had on that side, right, with the talent that yeah. they had on that side, you guys did not back down. And that was something that even though you, you may not have pushed through in that game, you guys didn't lose. <laughs> you guys went on a streak after that game. So that right. must have – I don't know if you could – Kelvin, if you could talk us through that game a little bit and then after that game kind of just getting, getting it back together. Because that's a – the game after – a tough loss like that, right? You got to regroup a little bit and there's not a lot of time to regroup most of the time. So walk us through, walk us through that game. And then what happened after? Um, I say the Oklahoma game, and I've talked about this with, you know, other guys that were there. When I think back to it, I just feel like that was one game that was just like a fever dream. Um, and I think those are the best games, you know, where you're just going out there just letting it hang. And, uh, you know, I don't really remember much. I don't remember my thought process. I can tell you, like, I can talk to you about the Temple game and just kind of remember my thought process. But the Oklahoma game, I just remember being like, you know, nobody expects us to even be able to play well in this game. So for us to go out here and just do whatever, we have the ability to do whatever. And um, they scored pretty fast, which we knew was going to happen. Like, it was Kyler Murray who won the Heisman that year and C.D. Lamb and Hollywood. Right? Like, we knew they were going to score. Uh, but if we could go out there and do our job on offense and help defense out as much as we could, we knew a stop, an interception, a turnover was going to come at some point. So after that first drive, uh, we went on, took maybe eight minutes off the clock. And I just remember like looking at their defense and just being like, oh, these guys are not built to like really be out here long. Um, you know, they play in the Big 12, you know, they are – three and outs are what they want because they throw the ball around. It's like, if we can keep them on the field and gas them out a little bit and keep that offense on the sideline, like we can actually have a chance. And as the game started to go along and the crowd got more quiet and our confidence started to go, I was like, we might actually win this game. Uh, I remember I was sitting on the sideline with Luke Langdon and we're just sitting talking and he looks at me, he's just like, yo, it's really quiet. Like, we were talking just like this. Like, it's really quiet in here. Yeah. Like, we had stunned everybody. And yeah. I wish we could have pulled it off, you know. Definitely wish we could have won. Uh, we definitely had some chances to do it. And, you know, just being uh, upset that we couldn't do it. But I think that was when you talk about going into the next week. I think that was the biggest difference, you know, when you talk about the hangover of losing a game like that. It wasn't like, oh, we almost took Oklahoma to, you know, we almost beat Oklahoma. It was we should have beat Oklahoma. Like, we had all these opportunities to win this game, and we didn't take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of ready to come back and, and get back at it and win. Um, and that's what took us into Buffalo that next week to where we weren't hungover from, you know, almost beating the number five team in the country, whatever they were at that time. But 
just that we should have won that game. And now we're going to go out here and prove why we should have won that game because we're a good team. I should have uh, highlighted this more when I was on the beat, but that Buffalo team, you spanked them up there, 42-13, right? That team won 10 games that year for Buffalo. They were a good team. They were a good MAC team. And you went up there and just uh, – I get was there, – there was a special teams player, maybe a, a big play involved there early in that game, right, to turn the tide a little bit, I think, or something. But you Yeah, got really that block that. field goal that Eli took back to the crib, I think. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, it was close. I mean, they had – Took the first uh, one of their first possessions to the t- for a touchdown for a long touchdown, and then I think maybe two drives later I threw an interception. So it was looking pretty shaky at the beginning. You know, it was like, oh, here we go. Uh, but then like we snapped into it and things started to get going, and it was like, well, you know, this is what we came to do. Um, but yeah, Eli had that block, or Tuga had that block punt oh, yeah. uh, kick, and Eli took it back to the house. And I think that was really the momentum shift that just we kind of rode for the rest of the game. Man, when you look you at that a, game, right? Oh, go ahead, Cal. You had a you had a TD pass to Glenn that game too, yeah. Nah, uh, was Jordan, it Jordan, Jordan yeah. Asbury, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it was Jordan Asbury. I think that was one of his. I think that was the start of his like catching error as well, and y'all two connecting on on a in the air a lot that season. But, yeah, because that carried us forward. A lot of those passes carried us forward after the Oklahoma game as well. That connection between you and Jordan Asbury. Yeah. We have, we have a comment here. So uh, here we go. Brian Keough says two major names in Army football history book right here. Both of you gave us great memories on many Saturdays. Thank you to both. Absolutely. Oh, you, Brian. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to hear from Army fans, right? When you, when you, you, you certainly appreciate it. What I was going to say is that. 42-13, right? When you guys get – when this offense gets rolling, guys, right? I mean, you look at that game. You look at the, the bowl game later in the season. My goodness. I mean, it's – when it's hot and rolling, it is very difficult to stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, – Kel, I, I, Kelvin, I want to talk about that that bowl game in a little bit. First, if we, maybe we want to get to um, – maybe we want to get to some games later in the season, the 2018 season. You know, the Air Force game was a big win, no doubt. And the, the service academy games, maybe you you got you guys can walk us through that. It was seventeen fourteen over Air Force, and uh, you know same same with Navy. You know seventeen um, ten game. Those both close games going down to the wire, but this team you know was tested. And like I said, maybe it goes back to that Oklahoma game. Who knows? But you guys were definitely um, primed to win those games. So. Yeah, no, I mean those service academy games, and y'all gonna see it tomorrow. You know, it's always chippy. It's always tough, no matter what that uh, what the record looks like, no matter kind of what the team makeup is. You know, that's your that's your sister academy. You're going to want to play that game for bragging rights. And I think that was the same thing with Air Force. Um, it was a close game. Uh, we had we kind of took off for a little bit. I think it was 14 to three. And then they fought their way back. Um, they always have something for us. Uh, Air Force, they always play us tough no matter what's going on over there, no matter who's at quarterback or who they got hurt or this or that, they're going to come with it. And, you know, you always have to be prepared for that one. And again, I think that's a game where you got to have something special. Um, I think the Navy game always comes down to big plays. And I think the Air Force game always comes down to just like one inch, just a little difference. Um, I mean, if you look at the games we played and then you watch any Air Force game, it's probably a yard difference worth the game. Um, we, uh, Jabari, uh, Moore had a big play two years in a row against air force that, you know, just that little bit difference. Our fourth down conversion that year was huge to win the game. Um, so yeah, no, that one was super exciting. You know, that stadium is always rocking when air force is in town. So that was super fun. Yeah. Packed house. That's playing there. That's about as good as it gets at Mikey stadium, right? Where you could play a service Academy game and pull out a win like that. Um, last year, kind of wish the crowds were in for those Navy and Air Force games back to back for something like that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Man, uh, so so then you go to Navy, right? Um, and that's a, that's a, a, another. You know, I was looking up the stats real quick on is Kelvin. Uh, so there were um, four touchdowns scored in bo- combined in the Air Force and Navy games that that year, and you scored three of them on the ground. Three of the four touchdowns on the, on the ground you had in those in those games. Um, what do you remember about the Navy game that really uh, – what do you remember from that? 
Uh, I just remember we we were on a win streak. Um, Navy, we knew that they had guys, uh, Malcolm Perry, obviously, their defense. Uh, they had a D lineman that was really good. We knew he was going to be a problem. Um, so really just kind of going out there and executing. I think anybody you ask that's ever played in a Navy game knows that they understand what you're going to do. Like they know this offense, they run it, they see it all the time. So for you to go out there and handle things and manage the game is the most important part of the game. Um, and big plays, I think, was the biggest difference in that game. Kel had a 55-yarder on the first drive, and that led to the touchdown afterwards. But, like, that put us in a position where we weren't trailing for most of the game. I mean, I don't think we trailed at all, but that big play – right there could easily be said as the difference. Um, had a lot of turnovers on defense that game. Our defense played lights out that game. Um, yeah. You know, we put them in a, in a couple bad situations, but again, that's just how that game goes when a defense understands what you're doing. Uh, but our defense handled it, I think. Jalen had a forced fumble. Jalen McClinton had a forced fumble and an interception. Mike Reynolds had an interception. Uh, Kenny Brinson had a forced fumble. Uh, you know, just big plays on defense. I'm telling you, that game comes down to big plays every time. And just for us to have that on the defensive side and give us opportunities to keep their offense on and even score when we did was the difference in that game. Kevin, what were – so, like, Army-Navy games is always in the trenches, right? What were the yeah. conversations that you had with, like, Bryce Holland and the rest of our O-line? In the 2018 season, because a lot of people don't know Bryce Holland was cutting weight. He was about to graduate. Yeah. What were the conversations you were having with him and the rest of that old line as we were trying to drive down the field? Man, just, you know, make something happen for us. You know, that when you run the triple, I think your best players on the field got to be the old line. And a lot of people don't understand that. When you run the triple, like everything starts with those guys. And that year, that O-line, they were hard workers. Bryce was probably one of the best leaders I've been around. And like you said, he was cutting weight, but he made no excuses about it, you know. And that was kind of his mindset. He had, I think, probably the hardest task that game with uh, their nose tackle. And I think he had, he probably had 90 pounds on him at that point. And Bryce was like, I got him. You know, he was like, don't worry about it. I got him. Like, I'll do what I got to do. I don't care if I got to cut them. If I don't got to drag them down, I might get a few holding penalties, but I'm going to do what I got to do so that y'all can run the offense. And, you know, and me as a quarterback, that was I never felt um, – I learned early on, you never get too high or low with your O-line. You know, you always kind of reward them and you get on them when they do bad. But that was a group, like, I never felt the need to do that because Bryce was going to handle it. And that was, you know – that was the mood for that game. He was like, I'm not making excuses so nobody else gets to. So, right. you know, that was that was kind of what happened, and, and those guys played a great game. Man, he was um, – you know, I know Brett Toth is playing in the NFL right now, right? But, I mean, Bryce Holland will go down as one of the better arm, offensive linemen in this – this the, maybe this decade, certainly, in the last 10 years, no doubt. I mean, that guy was just – He's a football player in the, in, in the sense of the word, right, guys? I mean, like, I mean, and he's a guy who didn't want, like, he probably, if he wanted to, might have got a shot at the NFL. But he was uh, committed to the military. You know, he's, he's, certain, he's out there. You know he's out there right now. So, I mean, wow. Um, Kelvin, I didn't know – I should know this. Were you the uh, named the MVP of the game for uh, 2018? I was. Yeah, do you, you get anything for that? What do you get for that? Uh yeah, I got a I got a, a nice plaque for it. Um, I got to go down to Philly later that year and uh be a part of their like uh their press banquet for the year. Um, met some really cool people. Um, what's the the mascot for the Flyers? He was there. Uh, it was a good time, you know, just to go down there. And, and one of the biggest things that was cool for me was you know seeing Ahmad. Ahmad had won it two years in a row, and his name was on the plaque. So that was cool, you know. That was somebody that I had looked up to and somebody that had taught me a lot as a quarterback. So to kind of be there uh, a year after him and be sitting in this spot, you know, somewhere that he had been was really dope for me. No doubt. If you guys are watching right now and you have any comments or questions for uh, myself, Kelvin or Kel, fire them away. Um, 
I guess we could talk about the bowl game now, right? The Armed Forces Bowl. I mean, that was uh, something else. Uh, that's something I, I didn't attend that game. I wish I did because I was I would have been like almost like the, the Wake Forest game against Army earlier this year, right? I mean, it's just no, you great. were the only one that didn't attend that game, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was an exciting one for sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I still say that that 77-yard touchdown run by you is one of the most amazing plays. I wish I would have saw it live and in person because watching it on TV was just a, an unbelievable play. That that Kelvin to me was everybody involved in that play, right? Oh, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, you made some shifty moves and you were able to break it off, but I mean, everybody was involved. The all eleven were involved in that one. Yeah. No. I mean. I just remember, again, when I talk about the Oklahoma game, I don't remember much. Like, I can distinctly just remember that play. Um, again, Coach Ware was a, a master prep, uh, preparator. For, you know, he made sure we were prepared. Um, and they had a blitz called that we had worked on so many times. And I just remember recognizing it, knowing he's probably going to get through untouched because we just don't have enough guys. And it was just, I'm probably going to have to go backside, just try and get to the line, don't lose any yards. And then uh, made that cut, and there was a hole and just kind of broke loose a little bit. I made a move, and before I knew it, I was in the open, and I just seen guys running up on me. I'm not the fastest person in the world. We all know that. <laughs> I'm not the quickest guy ever. But I just seen people coming up, and I'm like, is this them? Like, I don't know who it is. And it's just, I think Artis tapped me on my back. was like, we got you. And then Christian Hayes is yelling at me, like, come on, slow. You're moving too slow. Like, everybody's just catching up. I'm like, this is the entire team. Like, <laughs> I was like, there's not a single Houston player around. And that's just like, I mean, when people talk about culture, when people talk about, you know, whatever, I think that's just a care for each other. You know, I think we all played really hard for each other. And when I think back on my career, I think that's the number one play where it's just like there's one guy with the ball, but we all finishing in the end zone. Right. You see guys from Houston still on their knees, yeah. guys getting slow to get up, people having their heads down, quitting at halftime. Like, it's definitely a tell of two cultures. And yeah. you got to show it that day, especially that game. And that was like the cap of the season because the whole season, like it was like our culture versus yours, right? We yeah. don't win regardless. And then that game, it just heightened, took it to new heights. Yeah, now James Nautical had the sickest game I've ever seen nice. anybody. Oh have. yeah, oh for sure. Like he they gave me the MVP, but I went up to James after the game. I was like, I don't know why they did this. Probably because I was a quarterback. But like yeah. James, this was the sickest game I've ever seen anybody have. Like he, he was playing with like on Houston. Blue screws. <laughs> he Blue screws. On Houston, and it was it was just impressive to watch. Everything was. I'm going to get the ball out and, you know, anybody can make a tackle. Anybody can go out there, but just to have the presence of mind every time he went out, there, I think he forced four fumbles uh, yes, or something ridiculous like that. And yeah. a bunch of tackle for losses, I, probably a sack or two, probably, right. you know, I feel like I'm talking about Booby miles. Like he filled up the Gatorade cooler, painted the fence. Yeah. He did everything that day. And it was great to watch. So, I mean, that's the one thing I really remember from that game. That was probably the most dominant I've ever watched a, our defense play, and it was at the hands of James Nautical. You ever seen, like, two people fighting, but, you know, one one person may be a skilled boxer and the other was an amateur boxer. Yeah. He beat him up, everything funny, and then at the end, you just like, all right, that ain't funny no more. <laughs> that's how it was. Like, that's not funny no more. That's how it was. Like, James was going crazy the whole game, and at the end, you should see the faces of Houston, like, players. I was like, man, he just beat them boys into submission. Like, they want to quit. They want to go home. They're looking at the coaches like, what, do you get out? what did you get us into? Like, he went yeah. crazy that game. That was uh, – I think it, that was Clayton Toon was their quarterback maybe. Yeah. He's having a great season this year too. It's yeah. crazy, right? How um, You get a game like that under your belt, right? It was – you might want to quit. Like you say, Cal, you might want to quit after that game. You know, after totally. the game, yeah. And he yeah. stuck it out, and now he's ha he had a good has a good season. That's yeah. give him give we'll give him some credit, I guess, right? Oh, absolutely. In twenty twenty one, we'll give him some credit. Um, yeah, I mean that game was seventy points. I mean that's one of the most points ever scored in a bowl game. And like we said, guys, that was just it wasn't just the offense. That was the defense setting you guys up a lot for success too. Like with James, oh, yeah. so that was a wow. When you look at that, we were like that was 
Whew. I mean, that's good. That goes down. Go ahead, we even had some young guys on offense, like uh, we say the whole team. It was like the total package. We had some young guys, young slots in there and make some plays. Like Artis, he mentioned Artis earlier. Like it was completely the whole team. And I feel like the leaders on that team empowered them to do that. You know what I mean? So guys was just giving it all they can for the next person, uh, yeah. for the person next to them. You know what I mean? incredible that was a cap to an incredible season and that's a that's a season that you know army fans now are definitely remember 100 and when we get um comments from an army fan saying you know you know great memories on many saturdays i don't think that game was played on a saturday but you know that 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 game was a, a great memory no doubt um i guess real quick if if you if you guys want i mean we talk, talk about your senior season a little bit i know it was probably a little bit disappointing after the 11 win season, right? I guess it, Kelvin, it was a little bit disappointing for you guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, every every season you set out to win, you know, as many games as possible. Um, and you know, I, I will first start off to say this: I think the way in which we came out every week and the way we came to practice is probably the most impressive part. You know, it's easy to come to practice and work hard for each other when you're winning. But, you know, that attitude never changed really with that team. Um, everybody came to work every day. Every Saturday, everybody came out to play hard. And, you know, a lot of things just didn't roll our way that year. We had a lot of in injuries, um, you know, just a lot of things. There's a few games in there, like, you look back at it, we're one possession away. We're one missed tackle, one drop ball, one fumble, one mistake. You know, and, you know, football is a game of inches. And that I think that season, when I think back to it, that's really the definition of what happened, uh, you know. And you can look at it from a number of ways. But, you know, we just didn't make the plays and make uh, the right decisions at the right time. And, you know, we ended up, I want to say, three and nine. But it could have easily been seven and five. But that's just the margin of error in football. And, you know, again, I'm just glad the way we all handled it. You know, we're all still boys, like, there was no point fingers. There was no issues. There was just like, here's what we can. This is what we go out with. But, you know, y'all still my brothers. And, you know, it was definitely uh, disappointing, but um, definitely glad I learned a lot from it personally. Yeah, I remember the core of you guys on the field lot after the Navy game that year. And you guys didn't really – it seemed like – you want to leave the field, you know, it seemed like you, you were together with Elijah, right? Jalen McClinton uh, and both of you guys. And it was just like, I guess reality was hitting in a little bit, but there were so many good times that you guys had, you know, I guess that, you know, in that game against Navy, I don't know if that changes a lot of things, but it's certainly something to reflect on when the day was, when you had some time after that last game that you guys played together. Right. Yeah. I no. Mean, Go ahead, Gail. I mean, that last game, I feel like I can speak for me, but I feel like all of us felt this way. You know, we're going to win some, we're going to lose some. Some seasons we're going to win more than we lose, and that was one of the seasons that, you know, things just didn't go our way. So for that Navy game that year, it was just like, all right, we lost, but at least we can say, like, our class and for our brotherhood that we went out fighting to the last one. So we went out like throwing our bodies in there to the last whistle, blood, sweat, and tears. So we were all just standing there, just soaking it in. Like we really just did this. What a great career we had with each other. We loved on each other. And we just kind of walked up, I walked up the field with each other. Cause that's what we started with. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people, a lot of unsaid thing, one of the biggest unsaid things about army Navy, you know, especially in a season where you're not going to a bowl game, that's probably, you know, the last time a lot of us will ever, you know, put on football pads and, and play, you know, a real moment of football. So, you know, to have that moment with guys that you have been through so much with, you know, the pageantry of it matters. And, you know, I think that's why it's the biggest rivalry ever. I think that's why it's important to me is because a lot of us on both sides of the ball will probably never play football again and will never, you know, really attempt to. We have Army careers that we're committed to, uh, you know, this idea of of academy players going to the league is new. And, you know, I hope a lot of guys get to do it. But for us in our generation, you know, that wasn't really a thought. So that Army-Navy came, that was probably, you know, the last time 
in which, you know, a helmet was going to be played, was going to be put on in a serious situation. So to have that moment with the guys you came in with and, you know, and say, hey, guys, like I enjoyed, you know, doing this with y'all and this is the last moment. So to have that moment on that field afterwards, I think that's where a lot of that emotion comes from. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, well, one of the, one of the you, you guys, boys are, are, are playing in the NFL right now, Elijah Riley. And he's yeah. like, a, he's rep- he's representing army. No doubt. Right. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. getting in there starting for the jets. I mean, I can't remember the last, well, I can't remember the last time a, a army defensive player started in the NFL, Josh McNary back like seven, eight years ago for the Colts, yeah. you know, it's been a while. So Elijah, you know, got got a chance with the Jets, and he's he's going with it, so to speak. How how proud are you of him, guys? Just to see what he's doing out there right now. Very proud. I mean, Very you know, Eli is one of one of our best friends. You know, I love Eli to death, and to see him, whether he played a snap or not, I was happy for him to even get the chance to continue to play. But you know, Eli made that decision back when we were sophomores, and said he was. He's like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm gonna chase. And to see it coming to fruition now and seeing him live out his dream. Like, I texted him. He texted me after uh, they played the Texans and was like, yo, I just played against Tyrod Taylor. And I'm like, bro, like, you playing against our childhood, like, heroes and people we looked up to. Like, you're living the dream, bro. I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm so happy for him. I hope, you know, I don't even hope. I know he's going to ride it out and he's going to play well because that's the type of person Eli is. Once he gets his his chance, he's gonna ride with it. Now I'm glad the Jets finally gave him a shot, and I don't think there's any looking back for Eli for Elijah. Right, and Eli, to piggyback off that, bro. Like Eli, anything he did, he did it 100. percent Like Kevin said, sophomore year, he made up his mind already. He was going to leave. Everybody else was like, "Yeah, we need to focus on next season." Eli, like, "Yeah, I'm going to leave. Let's get this, let's ball." You know what I mean? So. Um, and he did that with everything he could do. So he do that with friendships. He do that with, you know, his relationship, anything. So just to see him, we're not surprised that he made it to the league at all because we knew that's what something he wanted to do. And knowing that he give 100% anything he does, we knew it was going to happen for him. But like Keller said, we're proud of him. Uh, he's doing his thing. Um, like you said, we, we know he's going to have longevity in the game because he's agile. He's smart, you know, and he takes the time to actually – work on his craft to get better at the game. He wants to learn. He's hungry. And I think having a player like that in the league, any team would be happy to have him on his team for a long time. When I saw him play, right, when he stepped in his freshman year, I was like, okay, this is something different about Elijah, right? And then you see his sophomore year, how maybe he's maybe a little bit more – though he's a physical player, but just seems like he's getting better and better. I'm like, in my head, and I probably said that out loud to people in the press box, I'm like, he's going to play in the NFL. He's going to, I, you know, because being around uh, college football as long as I have, you know, you just know, right? Like on the team this year, right? On their defense. I mean, do they have a couple, they at least have a couple guys that are going to get a look, I think, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I, I, think I think Andre Carter, Andre Carter is going oh, to yeah. get drafted. I'm calling it yeah. now. You heard it here first. Like, he might be our first draft pick for a while. I mean, we knew that back when he was a freshman. Huh. He, wrecked, he wrecked our offense, our scout team every week. And, He's just one of those athletic long guys. He's exactly what football is changing on the at the outside linebacker position. He can cover. He can make tackles. He can rush the passer. Um, I think he's going to get a chance. Uh, I think Marquette Broughton's probably going to get a chance. Um, another one that when he was younger, he just wanted to make a play. Um, and I think that's the biggest attribute I could say about Marquette, and you see it now. Um, yeah. Jabari Moore, I think, is another great yeah. player. That's Definitely. probably gonna get a, a chance, and there's a no, there's a number of guys. I hope they all get a chance. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, I was thinking Cockrell maybe. You know, yeah. Oh, most Nolan. definitely. Yeah, Nolan, I mean, Nolan he, he's uh, yeah, and even Eric Smith. You know, Eric Smith. Yeah. I mean, there there could yeah. be like five or six guys from this defense that get a shot. At, I, mean, I hope they do. And every I year, I think it's great for the academy. I think it's great for the team. Um, I think it's great personally. I know. Uh, there's bigger mission set and, you know, you talk sure. to whoever, but like at the end of the day, like those guys know where they came from. They know how they got there and they'll never forget that. So I think it's always going to be a big deal. And I think it, it will help the Academy in all facets, not even just football to have a guy out there on Sundays running out of tunnel. I mean, you see it now, everybody talks yeah. about, uh, 
uh, Eli and he's got his sweater on and he's repping the school and everything. And uh, John Radigan's out there in Seattle and Cole's in, in uh, L.A. Like all those guys know where they came from. And, you know, at the end of the day, the academy is, you know, that's I guess that's our home. But, yeah, you know, those guys rep it very well. And I don't think it'll change much if you let a few more guys go. You're talking about some pretty humble guys too, right? I mean, oh yeah, sure. Radican, I mean Eli and Cole. Um, we got yeah. one more. We got another comment here, guys. Uh, here, you two are awesome Army football players and won't be forgotten. I appreciate it. Amazing appreciate air it. show videos. Checking it. Yeah, nah, that's Kel Walker right there. Relax. <laughs> Kel, are you, Kel, you put in that comment or no? Man, I did not know. I did not. That's Kel Walker. You ain't see the plans on there. That's his. That's his emo- That's his emoji. Chill out, bro. Kel, that means you were all over our Ronnie McKenna podcast last night because uh, we got a lot of comments from the same person. So, I mean, you've been busy, man. I was trolling the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you guys want to break down the uh, Navy game real quick coming up here? Um, Just kind of your thoughts. You know, I went on a uh, radio show in New Orleans last night, and it was mostly we were talking about Army. And I look at this year, right? Army's the better offense. Army's the better defense. And I know it's the rivalry game. I know you can't take Navy for granted, but I I suggested maybe this is the year where Army has a little bit of a, a runaway victory. Now that's my opinion. I just maybe get get what you, you guys are seeing. We talked about all the talent on defense for Army, right? Not I fair. think that this is one of the most explosive offenses that Army's had. With all due respect, right? With Tyrell Robinson and Isaiah Alston, those guys uh, are big play guys, and yeah. you know, whether it's Christian Anderson or Tyler Tyler running the offense. Um, what, what's your what's your guys' take on uh, Saturday? Uh, like you said, I think this is the most explosive I've seen our offense. Um, you know, they have athletes everywhere, and they're not afraid to use them. I think that's the biggest thing. You know. Not even that we didn't have athletes or anything. We we were very system heavy. But at the, at any point now, it doesn't matter what's going. It doesn't matter if it's the fullback. It doesn't matter if it's the pitch. If it's the if it's passing, um, they have the athletes everywhere to do that. And you know, I think this game, like you said, it could be a runaway. Um, I would not discredit Navy. I understand how these games normally go. Um, it's hard to get a runaway game in this one. So. I expect the show uh, definitely going to be an Army win, um, but I'm excited to see what the offense does. I think Navy has an idea of what we do, um, but I don't think that they're ready for the speed and the athleticism in which they're doing it right now. Um, you know, I think Christian Anderson is playing some of the best football. And, like, I love Christian. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad to see him making plays. He's playing confident. He doesn't care. He's letting it hang out, um, you know, pulling the trigger, as, you know, some coaches would say, and he's doing it. Uh, Tyre is going out there. He's toting the rock. You can get a heavy dose of TT. You can get a heavy dose of Christian. don't really matter. Even Bari goes out there. Any of them goes out there. Um, I think they're all going to make plays. And the defense is going to do what they do. Um, you know, our defense is rock solid, and that's how they play ball. And I don't think Navy's offense is ready to run against the wall and break it down like they need to. So I, I, it might be a runaway game. It just might. I think it can be. I think uh, I agree with everything you said, Keller. I think we have phenom- phenomenal athletes across the board, offense and defense, special teams. We got Zach Harder who's kicking in. He should be kicking in the NFL right now. Another guy. He's going That's to the other NFL right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But – it's going to be a runaway game if we reduce penalties, if we reduce foolish penalties, uh, you know, jumping off sides, holding um, these. You can in Army Navy, you can't stop or you can't blame one of these players to have in tackles, in tackle penalties. That's gonna happen because it's the nature of the game. It's rough. It's a rough game. Everything happened between the trenches, like we said before. But these just foolish penalties, like we saw before in previous games that we lost this season. Like if we reduce those. Navy can't touch us. Absolutely, they probably won't even score. To be honest, and I'm, that's a, that's not a bold prediction in my yeah. in my opinion. You know, what I mean, if we reduce everything across the board, it's a blowout game. Yeah, they didn't score last year, right? Fifteen to nothing. That was the first right. time I think it shut out. Um, you know what, two uh, guys, um, Army's four on a four game winning streak, right? And the offense, I don't believe the offense has turned over the ball once during that streak. 
So you yeah. got to keep if you play sound and you and you protect the football. And uh, Jacoby Buchanan's on a roll here the last couple oh, of games, yeah. man. He, yes. he, he... <laughs> I, 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 here we go. I want to see um, Jacoby Buchanan and Diego Fago meet head to head at right after the line of scrimmage and see see what happens. I mean, because that that's that's a good matchup in this game. Um, like we talked about the defense, and you know, um, guys like maybe Anthony Atkins can get back. He was he's been banged up. Maybe you get Anthony Atkins back. Um, Brandon Walters has had some big plays this year, right? Like you yeah. said, Bill, but I mean. If they want to, they can call a play action pass and run the tight end down the seam. Probably a good a good portion of the game if they want, right? Yeah. And if if Christian can hit like a Chris Cameron or a Josh Lingenfelter, who knows? I mean, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, um, yeah, I don't like to make predictions like um, as far as who's gonna score the first touchdown, but an Army's offense, you know, most likely you're gonna pick the quarterback or the fullback. But this season, you really never know. So yeah, right. you have no idea. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say be back though. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely go be back. It's gonna score first. Okay. You gonna go biscuit? Biscuit. I'm gonna go biscuit. First. I'll go biscuit. Pillsbury. Pillsbury. Kelly, Kel, you know, at the beginning of the season, the slots were scoring. They were scoring touchdowns. I mean, yeah. uh, Walters, uh, Tyrell Robinson, uh, Brahim Murphy had a couple touchdown catches, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we haven't even mentioned Brahim Murphy, and you know, I mean, man, I don't know. I I think that. More than ten or ten different guys have scored for them. Probably more than that this year. And uh, man, uh, so you guys are gonna um, be in separate. You're gonna be in separate cities, right? Watching uh, Army Navy on Saturday. Where are you guys gonna be? And uh, we, we gonna uh, how you gonna root on the Black Knights? I'm gonna be down in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm I'm currently PCSing down there right now, so I'm gonna report tomorrow. I'm gonna be with a couple a couple of the guys, me, Christian Hayes, um, Jalen McClinton. Uh, we're gonna be down there watching the game, you know, cheering the guys on, you know, just enjoying army football. Yeah, I'm be here at Fort Seal. I'm still here at Fort Seal. So uh I'm probably gonna hang out with some of the former teammates like Zach Bubis. Um and we'll probably just watch the game out at, you know, a restaurant or just stay at home and watch the game. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm gonna try to meet as many uh former army players out in tailgates uh before the game, maybe get some videos and photos just the Black Knight Nation's live and well, right? And so, right. just trying to get out there and, uh, you know, eighty-two thousand, I think, uh, MetLife. I think they're sold out. Eighty-two thousand. That's more than that's more than Lincoln Financial Field, right? I mean, so yeah, I'm jealous. That that's that's, not, that's like playing <laughs> at Oklahoma, right? That's like playing yeah. at Mich- Michigan. The crowd like that, right? But but it's different because the sides are supposed to be equal, right? And then once tsunami starts, forget it. All bets are off. So oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the largest yeah, game day environment I've ever been in, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a special one, especially in New York. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah, that's home yeah. for us, man. Absolutely, this is a, this should be obvious. This should be a home game for Army, right? They're mm-hmm. the away team. They're the, they're the, the away team in this game. So uh, yeah. that's why you see the the uniforms, and we talked about the uniforms on the last last podcast, Cal. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we all know what that's all about, uh, guys. Thanks so much for the time tonight. It's great. Uh, Having a little reunion of the the roommates at West Point, right? I mean, this is this is good (laughs) stuff. We'll we'll have to do it again soon. Uh, um, Thanks a lot for joining us, people that are watching us. Check out Blackland Nation all over the YouTube and social media platforms, and uh, we're gonna break down this game at some point, guys. I'm gonna do a a recap. I don't know if I'm gonna do it on Saturday night or I'm gonna do it the next day, depending on. uh, what's going on at the stadium, but maybe we'll give you guys a holler to break down the game too. So absolutely. Right. Let me know. Sounds good. Yep. Thanks a lot guys, man. Great. Having All right, you. man. Absolutely. All right. See you.